What are your priorities in life? That can be a pretty convicting question, can it? But seriously, what do you see as your obligations? The way that the Apostle Paul thought about that in his life reminds us that as followers of Christ, we should be eager to take the gospel to the lost world around us. Does that line up with your thinking? This is The Wisdom Journey with Stephen Davey. Stephen called this lesson, The Power of the Gospel. I once read about a gem dealer strolling through a flea market where colorful stones and minerals were being sold. He noticed a a large blue-violet stone about the size of a potato. He immediately knew it had a far greater value than anyone there recognized. He quietly purchased the large stone for $10. Then he added a praise by experts. Its value soared to more than $2 million. It, It took someone who knew what to look for to recognize its value. Now, I suppose you could say that he was able to see it through a different set of eyes. Well, the Apostle Paul now invites us to join him in looking at people, at life, differently. Uh, so to speak, to to sense the value that otherwise might be missed. Now, here in the first chapter of Romans, Paul says four things about himself. He gives us a little personal biography, and he tells us how he looks at life through a different set of eyes. First, he speaks of his personal desire to visit the believers in Rome. He writes here in verse 13, I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. You see, Paul isn't satisfied with just sending them this letter, even though it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. No, he wants, he wants personal, face-to-face contact with his spiritual brothers and sisters uh, in Christ. Paul understood the value of personal interaction. And it's just as valuable, by the way, in the home as it is in the church. I remember reading some time ago that the average father spends 37 seconds a day interacting on a personal level with his children. Uh, In other words, that doesn't include driving them to church or sitting on the couch watching television or, you know, asking them to to pass the butter at the dinner table. No, 37 seconds of face-to-face eye-to-eye, one-on-one investment in their lives. I happened to mention this in a sermon some time ago, and a man told me later on that his little seven-year-old daughter had been in that service and heard me give that statistic. And when they arrived home, she actually looked up at him and said, okay, daddy, it's time now for my 37 seconds. (laughs) Well, Paul wants that kind of personal interaction with his spiritual children. He wants, to, he wants to help bring in a harvest, growth of spiritual fruit in their lives. And what kind of fruit is that? Well, there are two kinds of fruit mentioned here by Paul. One is the fruit of salvation. That's when someone comes to faith in Christ. And the other is, is the fruit of the Spirit. And that's when someone grows up. In Christ, And Paul wants to see both kinds of fruit when he comes to Rome, the fruit of people becoming Christians 
and the fruit in people who are growing as Christians. Now, the next biographical statement Paul makes has to do with his personal obligation, his sense of obligation. He writes here in verse 14, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. He's saying here that he's indebted to those who speak Greek and those who don't. Those would be the barbarians. In other words, Paul is saying he feels indebted to every human being. He's indebted to the wise, he writes, that is, the educated, and to those who are foolish or unwise, that is, the illiterate. Again, he's indicating his obligation to everyone. You know, many Christians see life the opposite way. They don't have a debtor's perspective. They have a creditor's perspective. They don't see themselves as owing anybody anything. In fact, they think everybody owes them. Well, Paul sees people in terms of what he owes them. Namely, he wants to deliver to them the gospel of Christ. Well, now Paul goes on, thirdly, to speak of his personal eagerness. His obligation wasn't a bothersome duty to him. It's, it's really a joyful opportunity. He writes here in verse 15, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Let me tell you, Paul here is, he's discovered the fountain of life, and he's handing out cups of living water to anybody who's thirsty. Well, finally, Paul refers here to his personal courage. He writes in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Now, as you read that, remember where Paul is heading. He's eager to come to Rome and preach the gospel there. Rome is the capital of the greatest empire on earth. It's it's also the most pagan city per square mile in the Roman Empire. People have their favorite gods and goddesses. They're offering incense daily to Caesar, whom they claim or believe to be divine. Uh, They're not going to be too happy with somebody showing up and preaching a message that there is only one true God, and, well, Caesar isn't it. If, If there's any place a believer might be intimidated to stand for Christ, it's Rome. It's going to take some courage to stand for Christ in that city. Well, what about you? Uh, today? Are you embarrassed to bow your head in a crowded restaurant and thank God for the food you're about to eat? Are you, are you hesitant to tell somebody at school that you were in church on, on Sunday? Are you ashamed to carry your Bible and put it on your desk at work? You want to know why Paul isn't ashamed of the gospel? Well, he tells us here in verse 16, first, Paul says the gospel is the power of God. Now, you might notice he doesn't say the gospel contains the power of God or the gospel needs to be accompanied by a demonstration of the power of God. He says the gospel is the power of God. The gospel is operational. The gospel is dynamic power. Paul writes the gospel is not only operational, it is also transformational. Paul says here that it's the power of God for salvation. That is, the gospel saves people from sin and guilt and condemnation. The gospel, then, isn't a self-help program. It's not about turning over a new leaf. It's about receiving a new life. Sin is the basic problem of humanity, and the gospel provides the only answer to it. So why would we ever be ashamed of that? My friend, have you been saved? 
Have you admitted you're sinful and lost? Have you accepted God's gift of salvation by placing your faith in in Christ alone, the one who died on the cross to pay for your sins? Have you come to him? Have you asked him to deliver you, to save you by his power alone? Well, when you do, the power of God through the gospel begins to transform your life. So the gospel is operational, it's transformational, and now Paul adds, it's universal. Again, he says here in verse 16 that the gospel is for everyone who believes. Now, Paul isn't saying that everybody is going to believe. He's saying that he wants everyone to believe. He wants everybody to hear it. This is a universal invitation to believe the gospel. Now, uh, many have misinterpreted this phrase here in, in verse 16, that the gospel is to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, they've taken that uh, to mean our priority even today must be given to reaching Jewish people with the gospel. That's a fine ministry to have, by the way. But Paul is speaking chronologically here. This is how the gospel unfolded. It came first to the Jews in Jerusalem They were the first to hear that the Messiah had come. They were the first to be called to repent. They were the first to to be invited to believe in him. Paul's point here is that the gospel went to the Jews first, but now it can go to both Jews and Gentiles. Let's take it literally around the world. And this is Paul's passion in life, giving his uh, world the gospel as he personally interacts with people that he knows and people he's yet to meet. Beloved, let's make that our mission as well. Let's see people through a new set of eyes. They they might be considered cheap in in the flea markets of the world, but, but we see their eternal value. And while you're at it, if you have some children waiting for you when you get home, why don't you plan on giving them a little more than 37 seconds of time. In fact, give them all the time you possibly can. Well, until next time, beloved, when we set sail again on our wisdom journey, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You're listening to The Wisdom Journey with Stephen Davey. The lesson you just heard is called The Power of the Gospel. If you haven't already, I invite you to sign up for a free membership in what we call Friends of Wisdom. Once you do, you're going to begin receiving resources from Stephen that'll help you walk wisely through life. Friends of Wisdom receive an email from Stephen each Tuesday. He might send an encouraging article to help you better apply God's Word to your everyday life. Sometimes he sends an answer to a Bible question he received. It's really quite interesting to read what people are asking and to read Stephen's answers. You might find that you're wondering the very same thing. And maybe you have your own question that you want Stephen to answer. At least once a month, Our Friends of Wisdom receive a free resource. Joining Friends of Wisdom is both free and easy. 
All you need to do is visit wisdomonline.org forward slash friends. You'll fill out a brief form and that's it. You'll be signed up and you'll start hearing from Stephen very soon. And when you sign up, you'll receive two free resources immediately. Stephen has two very popular booklets. One is called Blessed Assurance. It's helped thousands of people know what it means to have assurance of their salvation. The other is called The Coming Tribulation. It answers some of the common questions people have about a future time known as the Great Tribulation. You're going to receive both of those resources when you sign up. Once again, visit wisdomonline.org forward slash friends. If you'd like to speak with us, our phone number is 866-48-BIBLE. We're in the office on weekdays, and we'd be very glad to speak with you. Thanks again for listening today. Join us back here next time on The Wisdom Journey.